Hey listeners, this is Sarah Ashley. Assuming you have good taste and you like what you're listening to, then I would suggest that you go on over and subscribe to Nerds on History. You can join Brian and Eric weekly as they discuss all sorts of historical goodies, like the fact that Louis XIV was actually a woman, and that Greece never existed. Okay, that may not be true. This is why I'm on Nerds on Film. Subscribe to Nerds on History! Listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, and Sarah Ashley. So, guys, I'm excited because I'm on vacation. Vacation. And I want to. All I ever wanted. (laughs) Vacation. Gotta get. I'm done. (laughs) Um. Vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on vacation and I want to go see movies. I really thought you were going to say, I want to dance. <laughs> Guys, I'm on vacation, and I want to dance. I want Everybody to dance, cut dance, dance. <laughs> so, what are you going to go see? Um, well, I really want to see Admission, because that just came out, and I, mm. I like Tina Fey's writing a lot. Paul you should go done. see Olympus Has Fallen. You know, okay, I've, I've actually... thought about it, but I'm I've not really heard, super interested. I've heard good things about Olympus Has Fallen, just because I heard that it's one of those things, like, you check your brain at the door. Kind of oh. a la Independence Day, Armageddon, that kind of stuff. So it's quite literally Die Hard in the White House. Yes, I would say though that, as ridiculous as it sounds, the incredible Burt Wonderstone looks interesting to me because I grew up being a big fan of magic and doing magic. So oh, no, does Sarah know something? No, I'm just saying Jim Carrey. That's the reason why I want to go see it. I want to see it because of Jim Carrey too, because it combines two childhood loves of mine: Jim Carrey being an idol, and. Magic tricks with cards and whatever. Jim Carrey is in Olympus Falling. No, 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 no. He's in incredible <laughs> Burt Wonderstone. But you know, it's the program Eric. But it looks like a, it looks like the old Jim Carrey that we used to see, like Ace Ventura yeah. kind of Jim Carrey. Yeah, because the last time he did an Ace Ventura esque Jim Carrey was the Yes Man. Which I pretty like. much I like the Yes uh, Man. I really like Red Bull. You, you want to know why Yes Man won it over for me? Sarah knows why. Third Eye Blind. Yeah, the yeah. fact that they had him come out into the ledge and be sing fucking jumper to the guy. <laughs> that, that was actually a, that was a great scene. I, yeah. To me, and then they got the crowd to jump into it, and I was like, I because I, I saw this with you, and I looked over, and I was like, I, I instantly love this movie. Yeah, You're because like, of this one scene that. only. Though I gotta say, I'm also really excited to see him in uh, Kickass too, because he looks amazing as the general. And he looks, yeah. and he looks like a performance he's never done before. No, it looks so different. Yeah, and it, there's little traces of him. Yeah, but voice for certain facial expressions, but like the voice. The character is just, it's so, even just from the trailer, it looks like something so yeah. different. You got a dog chewing on your balls. <laughs> like, when are you ever going to see him say that? Well, you see, I miss him as a dramatic actor, too, because he hasn't tried doing that in a while. He's just been kind of off the radar for a while. Yeah, he's been too busy making Emma Stone um, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, you didn't hear about this? No. So a couple years he, ago, yeah. A couple years ago, he puts a, a video of himself that he recorded at his home. And he's like, Emma, you're wonderful. I think you're a brilliant actress. You're beautiful. And I love you. Oh. And he puts it on the internet. And a lot of people go, did Jim Gary crack? Like, is he just... Not so, because this was also encompassed with a couple of, like, appearances where he went to bars. And he just jumps onto the stage where, people, where the band was playing. And he just starts singing with the band. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's like, oh, Jim Carrey has gone nuts. He's literally jumped off the, the deep end. Huh. I, so I remember that. That was after uh, Easy A came out, I think, in theaters. Is when yeah, this he, he is right as her that. rocket was just yeah. starting to take off. That's interesting. See, I, I follow Jim Carrey on Twitter, and I think, at least for a while there, he was like, he's off alcohol, he's off any smoking, off junk food, off of carbs, you know, so he's like trying to go on like healthy mode, so... I love him. I love his work. I think his best dramatic work for me, there's two. The Truman Show and uh, The Majestic. But The Majestic was that nobody ever really gave that movie a whole lot of clout. Yeah, well, it was not clout, but nobody ever gave it... The Majestic? Yeah, The Majestic. A lot of people hated that movie. It it was too long. I love that movie. I I love Jim Carrey's performance in that movie. Yeah. But it was too long. And the fact that Matt Damon is the voiceover for the actual uh, war hero. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like the performances in that movie the best. I think that was its best feature. The story dragged. Well, I love love how it was had every... Because it was directed by Frank Darabont. 
it had everybody from a Frank Darabont movie in it. So it had Laurie Holden, mm-hmm. um, who's now in The Walking Dead because of Frank Darabont. Um, the old guy who played um, Dale on The Walking Dead. I remember his name, but he got killed off. Sorry, yeah. spoilers. Of course, uh, Martin Landau. Martin Landau. <gasps> oh, Martin Landau. Yeah. I was really good in that movie. But with the exception of the whole him going off to the town and pretending to be somebody in the amnesia and yada yada, but the whole blacklisting and the yeah. and the and the writer part of it, that part was super fascinating and super great. And like him going to Congress and having to stand up for it and yada yada, um, was just great. Yeah, it was that was really well written. And I actually, I, I mean, I love the Truman Show, and I've grown to appreciate it more and more. Oh, it's a as I've gotten older. That is a wonderful movie. It really, really was, though. I'm surprised no one's talked about Man on the Moon. That was a great movie. Oh, yeah, that was a really Never good one, saw too. It. Never saw you it? Never that's really? Andy Kaufman. Oh, no, 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 no. That was really, that was a brilliant performance by him, and for sure. That was supposed sure. to be his Oscar movie, too. And he got snubbed. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Andy Kaufman. Uh, we don't say snubbed. Remember, it's straight up cock-blocked. Yeah, yes. cock-blocked. He got Oscar cock-blocked. Uh, yeah. I love Andy Kaufman. I always have. I thought he was amazing in Taxi and pretty much everything he ever did. And I thought Jim Carrey was the perfect pick. And he played him so well. And he played him with such passion and such dedication. And you can tell, you know, like when they re- reenacted the whole Letterman fiasco where he, uh, oh God, who was he fighting? Jerry Lawler. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, they were able to bring everyone together and you could just see that he had done his research. He had done his homework. He, was, he got it down, mannerism for mannerism, word for word, everything perfect. And I appreciate that kind of dedication well, just, to detail. I think when I watch that movie, I kind of forget that it's Jim Carrey. Yeah. Which is, it's hard for Jim Carrey to do that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in his comedies where he is being very much like himself, like his yeah. Ace Ventura Jim Carrey. Yeah. And I do feel like I want to bring this up. Not necessarily. A, it, it wasn't necessarily a good movie, but was it dead? Number 23? Did you guys see that one? I did see oh, number 23. Joe Schumacher movie. The horror movie that he was in, mm-hmm. or the, yeah. the psychological thriller he was in. Yeah. Yeah. That was. I never saw it. It was okay. It was a weak script. Yeah. He was okay in it, I think. He was definitely creepy in certain moments, but that's his character, though. And I, I think that's one of the ones that I walked away from going, yeah, that was another good performance from Jim Carrey because he is talented. He's not, he's not a bad actor. It's no, just he's a very choices. good actor. Like, he was even, for being a very small part, uh, his bit in Simon Birch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he Simon plays, Birch was a very... Yeah, so he, he plays, plays the, the older adult version of, of um, um, Joseph... I don't know how to pronounce his last name. The kid from Jurassic Park. Oh, and okay. he was in uh, Pacific... The Pacific, the, the yeah. Pacific, yeah. The HBO miniseries. Yeah. Oh, um, I Love You, Philip Morris. Yeah. I, he, I didn't see it. That is a really good one. When he I, has really graphic sex with Ewan McGregor. Um, he or, doesn't have... No, with somebody else. Oh. He somebody has, else. He has, he has one scene that was particularly graphic, but he definitely has a gay relationship with Ewan McGregor. That yeah, may it's have about been a guy who goes to jail and finds out he's in love with one of his inmates. So well, it's it's his it's his lover. They become lovers. It's not just he he's in love. It's and he um, plays this guy who's like had so many repeated attempts and um, I think successes at at busting out of jail. Um, it's based at, on a true story, isn't it? Based on a true story, yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a really really good movie. Very interesting and. Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor. That is, hello, hi. Mm-hmm. That was like, I saw that, and I'm like, I don't, gay lovers, whatever, sign me up. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Where's that dotted line? <laughs> yeah. I think Jim Carrey gets a bad rap because of his earlier roles, uh, a la Ace Ventura through Batman Forever, um, because oh, all those characters were essentially the same character in different clothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. With uh, with the exception of maybe Stanley Ipkiss, because he, when he wasn't the mask, his character was actually really like warm yeah. and believable. But Ace Ventura was not too far of a stretch from the Riddler, and the moments where Lloyd Christmas was doing some really oh, outlandish loved, stuff, it was I all pretty much Dumb the same. Dumber. Oh my god, if they make a, which they are, they're making the sequel for oh, that, and, and everybody so signed on for it. Jeff Daniels wants. There to was a moment where everybody su- jumped off ship, and then they did something, and they brought them all back. So they are making Dumb and Dumber two. Which is going to erase Dumb and Dumber from existence and memory. I forgot about that I one already. His quote too. That was a prequel, was wasn't it? Because hmm? um, it's not a prequel. Dumber, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, it's when they mm-hmm. meet in high school. Yeah. But the only redeeming thing about it was that the guys who played Harry and Lloyd did a very good job at portraying Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels' bits to it. Like yeah, they re- they recreated the characters very very well. I mean, they did a great job. That was the only redeeming thing. Hmm. But Unless you want to watch Bob Saget scream about how there's shit on his car <laughs> multiple times, <laughs> it's just... 
Yeah, well, yeah. the Fairley Brothers weren't even involved with that, right? No, nobody from the original was involved with that. The studio was like, yeah, let's just do a sequel. And the Fairley Brothers were like, um... Well, you know it's kind no, of No, 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 we want to do a Three Stooges movie. That's going to be better. <laughs> you know, it's kind of sad, but you know it's usually bad when they can't get anybody else and they bring in Eugene Levy. I see. <laughs> but he's such a Poor good Eugene actor. Levy. Oh, my God. No, 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 him no, in the Christopher Guest movies? He, he's good. He's so good. when he's not in the first pickings, you know, the movie's just kind of like... Well, I mean, he's one of those actors who he will take a part, you know? Yeah, he will. Yeah, because he believes in just working. My favorite Eugene Levy part is when he played the uh, the shop salesman in um, Serendipity. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was really, salesman. really good. I love that guy. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make it sound like I was making a slide against Eugene Levy. I'm just okay, saying, good. Brian, get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's great. I mean, SCTV all the way. He was amazing in that show. Uh, anyway, well, with that, guys, welcome to Nerds on Film. Hey. <laughs> I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I am Eric Brickmont. And I am Dave McGuire. Holy yeah, shit, are. David's back. Yeah! Rock! And it's not, a, it's not an Oscar podcast. Yeah. It's a real podcast. Not to say that the Oscar podcast wasn't a real podcast. No, it was, it's it was a special podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Every, our audience yeah, members. You didn't realize we weren't recording. We, I, I had someone just type in all those responses to us online. <laughs> oh. No. We just Aww. didn't want to disappoint you that the technology wasn't able to come together. So <laughs> we, we don't have the technology the to rebuild. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> so, David, what are you doing back here? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to explain it to the audience. Not that I'm not completely so David, fucking thrilled uh, to see you. So good to see you. Where have you been? Can you can you <laughs> that's, tell? That's great. Thanks that for coming I'm back. Thrilled to have you back. Thanks, Daria. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Daria. <laughs> I know. You were Daria for Halloween once. Yes, I was. Yes, you were. Well, I'm done filming. Now it's on to the editing part, which is uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing. We actually finished a big chunk of that today, which is, Brian, you read the script. It's like all the exposition, that middle scene. Um, mm. So that's all pieced together. We've added some music in there just to kind of see what it would look like. But we were supposed to edit this evening, but it got switched to earlier this afternoon. And I thought, why not stop by and come chat with my my fellow nerds of Nerdonomy well, um, we are welcome back to in the back. nerd cave. It's yeah. great. Yeah, I've been listening to all of your guys' episodes while I'm at the gym. Awesome, pumping iron. <laughs> 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 you said that so earnestly. Don't wanna, don't wanna let you guys know, but I can now lift about fifty pounds. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> you could lift a medium-sized dog into a bathtub. Yeah. Awesome. Just not when he's wet. After he's wet, someone else has to come in and take it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, nope. Hernia, hernia. <laughs> no, but yeah, I just wanted to stop by because um, I'm looking forward to today's. Well, the part you're talking about from the script, that's about five pages, right? The total script um, is 30, is 30 pages. About five of those pages is all stage description and stage direction because um, clearly when I'm writing a script I feel like I need to um, put every last fucking detail into it so instead of being like whoa you, you know interior cafeteria evening you know and being like there is a dance going on I have to like describe the dance in almost like an Ernest Hemingway-esque way so how people are like dealing with it and like what the senses are and it's so, like literally my stage wait um, like Hemingway were you drunk when strength, you were doing it? I think actually I was yeah yeah and I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near Hemingway's writing, not at all. I'm just saying, like, the vast amounts of description and... So you were drunk when you were doing that? Possibly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Brian was there once when I was writing it. Yeah. I, I had, there was some beer involved. Probably, yeah. One, one or two. But I think that's a strong point of writing. I don't think writers do that enough. I mean, you don't need to write a novel uh, because it is a screenplay. You have to kind of simplify <laughs> uh, your language. But David, two pages are literally just telling us what the party's like and you've done nothing to advance the story yes but i'm wanting to make sure that you feel like you know that you're at a party no like, okay get out <laughs> interior diner it is 11:45. david is sitting in the back left corner at a booth by himself nursing a bowl of chicken noodle soup the booth across <laughs> the way is an old man smoking a cigarette disdainfully the booth that David he sits in was recently reupholstered, however. The one that David sits in was reupholstered seven years ago. <laughs> Suddenly the phone rings. Hello? 
Interior, David's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to mention the crumbs on the table. Oh, yes, the crumbs on the table, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're the remnants of a crappy tip from the person who sat here before. That person had waffles, hash browns, two orders of sausage, and yet they only left. I they kept wondering to themselves, why did they order this much food? It probably comes from the fact that their mother always fed them way too much when they were a child. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta get inside that guy's head who's not in the scene but was in the scene before you were exactly. even a scene, you know? Exactly. Because yeah. you know what? That syrup stain from his waffles on the tells table. A story. That tells a story. That means well, something. See, I'm, that I'm, is I'm, crucial. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. most excited about this project because it's actually going to get seen by an audience. I have had three failed attempts at trying to make a movie. Once when I was nineteen. You sound like you're about to cry a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little clumped. Um, no, I just, I've had three failed attempts, and Brian has heard me talk about this at, to no end, but one of them involving both Brian and Sarah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Brain that'll freeze. never yeah. see the, the light of day, probably. Which is sad because I had so much fun making it. That was a funny movie. I loved that movie. The concept was, and Sarah, you can help fill in the details because I don't remember exactly how it got to fruition, but somehow there was a joke. Okay, you know the you know the origin. So Genesis well, away. Wait, the Genesis of it? Well, yeah. How did, like where did the joke come? Because it, it was a joke. Yeah. So the jo- somebody made a joke about it, and I thought like, oh, that'd be kind of right. Well, I know. It? I, well, I just remember you coming <clears throat> up with the idea. I don't know if anybody made the joke, but you oh. came up with the idea about um, somebody proposing via milkshake. <laughs> by yeah. putting, by See? putting, yeah, <laughs> I got a giggle, a yeah. giggle, but like well, putting the ring in the milkshake. Well, it was, um, it was a device similarly used in Woody Allen's "Just Say You Love Me," but they put it in Don't ice cream. But he <laughs> eats, but she eats the ring. Oh, yeah, oh, she okay. eats the ring. She's like, oh, "Where's the ring? What ring? The the the, the engagement ring? Where's the engagement ring? I, I put it in the Woody parfait. You put it in ice cream, and so they're like, and it cuts to them in like." The doctor's office, and they have an X-ray of her stomach with the ring. (laughs) (laughs) It's to be funny as you were drinking the milkshake. She gets all the way down to the bottom. She sees the ring. She freaks out. She throws up. She says, "Oh my god! Somebody's ring is in my food. Somebody's ring is in my food. This is disgusting." Uh, It's it's your ring. (laughs) Well, that's kind of close to the the (laughs) idea. Only she doesn't vomit. No, the the thing is, is that the guy who was played by Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I was about thirty pounds thinner and much much more attractive. Wow, that was sad. Oh. <laughs> All by myself. <laughs> oh, my. oh, no. No, for those of you that, because this is not filmed, Brian just did it a slow jerk. Oh. Um, can, I, can I be the one to say it? Yeah. Akbar. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, wow. that's it's an old joke that me and one of my yeah. close friends have. Yeah, we always joke when we're depressed. We the, the joke is you put on REM and you REMs everybody hurts. No, no, everybody hurts. Everybody hurts. And you masturbate in the corner. <laughs> Coming next in Neurodonomy films. <laughs> and this is Interior, why this is bedroom, the explicit podcast. <laughs> R.E.M. is playing. <laughs> um, There's a wad of dried up tissues. <laughs> What's that line in Sir- Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Those happy tissues or sad tissues? <laughs> <laughs> These are definitely sad tissues. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so back to brain freeze. Sorry. The, the concept, though, was that, the, well, the punchline of the movie was that this guy was going to propose via milkshake. And then, like, the chick's getting into a fight or something like that. And she's, like, slowly sipping down the milkshake and she's not getting to it fast enough. And then the guy just grabs the milkshake, chugs the whole thing down, and holds out the ring and tries to propose. But at the same time, he gets a massive brain freeze. So he's like, oh! Holy shit! Why the fuck did I do that? Oh my god! As he's so like, of course, so she misinterprets it. And yeah. the original script, the original idea was that she grabs the ring, she chucks it at his head, and she leaves, and it just ends on a really like flat note. And then, of course, after like much a bunch of punch ups, it went from like this this. It big, went from like a short bit because the like joke a full was script. the movie was really like a, just a setup for just one big like haha moment, and then all of a sudden it evolved where like there was like this other couple that was at the dinner uh, or at the restaurant. It the was second this diner. Gordon and Julie. Gordon and Julie. Funny paper seventy nine. Yes, um, yeah. I played Julie. Yeah. yeah. So except she had retainers and she talked like this. 
So and, she's, a, and she's a speech therapist. And yes. she's a speech therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's like that going on, and then you have like the waitresses and the cook, because everybody's like hearing about like this story with this guy that wants to propose, and everyone's like, "Why the fuck would you want to do that?" And so yeah, it was literally. I don't know, and like there was a like a week. montage for like a background. We had to actually cut a scene where the guy was asking permission from the There's, dad. From the father, because we which couldn't find I the father. I was really proud of that scene. I wrote that one. That was yeah, really good. I know. <laughs> it was that there was a whole montage where uh he like, where, where he makes the money to be able to buy the ring. Because he was also like in real estate, I remember, <laughs> yeah. or something. <laughs> it was this whole thing. So I mean, like, this whole thing like for one, sh- one, one punchline. For really. one punchline, there was like all this setup. <laughs> and I remember, because I remember people were like looking at me like, David, this this one part is just a little creepy. Because like, the, it opens up with them, with, the, with Brian and the girl in bed waking up in the morning and he's like already awake and he's like, fondly looking at her as she's asleep and she wakes up and she goes like oh, what are you staring at me for like very cutesy everyone reads the script and they're like the fuck is going on why is he so fucking creepy <laughs> he's just staring at her while she sleeps that's fucking creepy and I'm like no guys guys it's fond like it's very sweet you know very fond like and they're like no it's- we're gonna cut that that's creepy that's very <laughs> gross I don't get that. I don't either. get like, that either. I didn't get I mean, that vibe. No. Okay, well, I mean, that wasn't my feed. That I, I, I know. I know. It, it read differently. But didn't you guys? You guys actually filmed stuff at Nap's apartment. Nap was our, our mutual friend. If he's listening, hey, dude. Um, sup? He was the one with the REMs. Everybody heard. Yeah, we called it F fifty nine because it was in building F number fifty nine. But we shot in F fifty nine, and it was me and our friend Brittany. Yeah. Who is an amazing actress? She yes. trained professionally in New York. Miss working with her a lot. She was so fun to work with. Yeah, we we shot like the first scene. Pistol, mm-hmm. which my, we ended up cutting actually. Yeah. But my favorite parts were actually the bit where everyone has this kind of they use the bathroom as a confessional, and we totally improvised these bits. Oh my God, it was made up so on the good. spot because it wasn't originally scripted, and someone was like, "We got to cut away from something." And, yeah. the, and someone's like, "Why don't they just go to the bathroom?" Because in the script, the girlfriend Brittany's character runs off to the bathroom at some point, and the conflict is that she's just got a job in Manhattan. She's going to Manhattan. He wants to stay here, and he's got a job, and yada yeah. yada. But like when they went out to the bathroom, they were like, "Oh, we should just we should just follow them in there." And they're like, "Well, if we're going to do one, we might as well do all four of them." Because you have like these two simultaneous stories going on, and so everybody got an opportunity to have like their own little yeah. montage or like monologue in the bathroom, which was just pure comedic gold. Yeah, because they said some of this craziest shit. My character was flipping batshit. Yeah, yeah. Yours, I remember you did a little dance, and I remember Brittany was like doing the whole thing as she was contemplating. And there's even a bit where she's on the toilet. She's on the toilet, <laughs> and someone's just like pouring water in the sink, but it makes it sound like she's no, peeing. no. She had the cup. And yeah, she was. She, she was, was tiny, She was tiny enough to where she could stick her hand in front, and she just makes it sound like she's peeing by pouring the cup. <laughs> and so, and when I remember watching it, I was like. <laughs> and she and she was like the straight character throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And this that, is her opportunity. That was her one opportunity. My, to be my like, favorite what? bit. So there's always there's always when she's cut into talking in the mirror, and then goes back and so she talks to the mirror and it cuts back to her like trying to get the the, fl- the thing to flush. She's like, "What was this made by NASA?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, does this movie exist still? No. Well, no, not really, that's not right? true. I saw, I saw, I saw Justin yesterday, <gasps> and, um, and he, uh, it's on his other hard drive, and it's possible that if I keep seeing him, we could actually get, even if a, it's just a rough cut, even just get a rough cut of it, because be the see. movie we spent a week at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. We literally lived at that we restaurant. We broke a toilet there. We broke a toilet seat there. <laughs> and we, we were there from like 10 to 3. Yeah, I think, it was long night. nights. 10, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. Like, yeah. And then we did the bed at, at uh, your brother's apartment. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where uh, I'm trying to climb over the gate, and then the gate just automatically opens when someone goes in. <laughs> and the thing is, we had to like really style the film because we were like, well, I don't think this, we can do any of this that we're doing. So yeah. we're like, Brian, just make this quick. And so like, every time we saw a real car, we were like, oh, no, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. And we're like, okay, Sarah's coming back. She's coming back with her car. And so Brian's just like, hmm. Oh, my God. I almost, I completely forgot about that. That was amazing. That was amazing. Or when you tried to like, when you were like hanging on to like the... The patio, right, uh, which railing, is actually a first level and apartment. And you thought it made it look like he was at the second level apartment. He's like, ah, he's all, he says, ah, I'm here, I'm here. And, she, and then he's like, what are you doing? And he kind of like stands up. Do you remember the uh, Stephen playing the, the the homosexual roommate? Like the, oh, the, the yeah. friend, and it was Derek too, wasn't it? No, it was me. Oh, was he, <laughs> I played his boyfriend, <laughs> and we were gonna cut it out because. 
it just didn't work. Yeah. But at the time, weren't Stephen and Brittany dating? They were. Yeah. 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 yeah it basically, a, was an excuse for him to be on the set. Yeah. yeah. So. But yeah, so that that didn't see that didn't see a lot of There's so many good gags in it, even if it's not like that good of a script or like not to say that it wasn't. Oh no, I'm sure there's flaws. But like, it just it was just so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then and then shortly after that, the college that we all attend, Saratoga University. That's what people call it. I don't attend that college. There was supposed to be a student film, and this was kind of like a second chance thing because the first film that they did there pissed a lot of people off. It was it was pretty poorly composed. It offended a lot of the faculty mm. who were in the department. There was, a, there was a scene of a, of a kid that was of, of about 13 to 15 pissing on somebody, which oh. was kind of funny. How is that offensive? That's a not... lot of people found it offensive. Well, so here's the thing. <laughs> so that's where my money's going? So they were given money by the school budget mm-hmm. to make this movie in lieu of doing a play. Oh, I guess you. So the and this so they expected more than just urination. They expected more than 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 stupid shit on yeah. film. So there's two film professors at the school we went to. One is very experimental, who was the guy who directed the film we we did. Others very very much old school when it comes to very Spielbergian when it comes to story structure and doing things right. And that professor plus the chair of the department were both pretty pissed off by the movie, and they gave him one of the chance. And then <clears> this. <throat> professor had the brilliant idea oh let's have the students direct yeah so he gave the students the ability to direct a film and he goes so the concept of the story was that he built this world a sci-fi based world and he goes okay kids here's the basic premise of the story revolving around a man one man that is trying to save the world and then you can put you have to just make your script somewhere in the in the realm of this world and but he goes oh but it, it's gonna be it can be whatever you guys want and of course everyone decides to go sci-fi now mind you that the budget that these people had what the fuck is going on <laughs> I'm making them scissor <laughs> <laughs> David give me yours no David no, to watch. no. I did not agree. To watch. I did not agree to this paper sex position thank you oh my you made this fun no I made this fun sorry <laughs> I made this fun. You just made it dirty. You know who Sarah is, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Have we met? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the project, the project at West Valley was supposed to be like this sci-fi epic, and he gave everybody a budget of two hundred dollars, and we were supposed to. And he goes, "Oh, write whatever you guys want. Like, there's no limit to what you guys can write." So, being amateur writers, we did, and I write like this. Careful 40, what you wish for. I write this like forty-five page script about this reporter trying to figure out like this story that's huge and like how it like relates back to like the saving of the world and yada yada and like i was pretty pleased with the written portion of it both brian and sarah have read and i i, I really dug it i thought it was probably the best thing i've done hell up to i that scouted point. location for it oh, wait, yeah we were, we were both producers on it yeah yeah and then it died the script just like it was just too massive mm. it was so big of a production that we as college students actually got the san jose mercury news to let us use their facility. They were like, oh yeah, you guys can use like the old spot of it, and like you can use this office. And I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Oh, this is so great. And then it never happened. And so then I had to like scramble and make two new scripts, which I shot, and I pieced it all together. Brian saw a rough of it, and I put everything together, and then the hard drive got wiped. Got wiped. No way. All my work. I spent hours down in the editing bay. And the sat- we talked about this in the short film mm-hmm. episode. Watching your soul slowly just like melt as from, from the stress of it was just, it was awful. Yeah, it was that the sucks. worst thing. So yeah. having this be something that I've actually written and that I kind of sort of directed and having it actually be something that's going to be seen by people. And by people, I mean you nerds who are listening, because I'm going to mm-hmm. be putting it on nerdonomy.com. Ooh. Come April 19th. What? Release <gasps> date. Holy crap! That's amaze balls. Um, yeah, it's just really nice to finally see. Now, whether or not people are gonna like it at this point, I don't give I a shit. I bet it sucks. I'm kidding. No. No. I want to so, be. I want to be in a movie. You know, I could write one. So, what what would it take for us to do a movie? Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. we need funding first of all. <gasps> Gee, how appropriate for our <laughs> topic tonight. <laughs> Well, wow, it's a beautifully non-scripted segue. Like really like Forty it. minutes as a setup for. Okay, all right. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, all these movies that you you did were self-funded. Self-funded. Oh, I didn't even talk about the one that Brian and I did, where we actually 
gave six hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, we actually funded a movie for thirteen hundred dollars. Um, Up top, and it was probably the most professional thing we've done. That I will give it. Yes. Yeah, um, we we professional had, looking, professional looking. Uh, we had crew that like did lights. We had crew that fell asleep on the set. I mean, we oh, had wow. everything. We had you had stale donuts. We had craft services. <laughs> We did craft services. I mean, someone ran to Noah's and brought us bagels. <laughs> no, no, but we, like we had someone cook food for us. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. We no, had meal just... times broken down. We had a fish, an official schedule that we were trying to stick to the best we could. Um, we of course fell behind, like every and film we shoot does. We fell about four hours behind on the second day. Yeah, it's like that scene in um, Tropic Thunder where all of a sudden he goes like, "They just started shooting today, and they're already six months behind schedule." <laughs> <laughs> But yet, the funding is the hardest part. Yeah. We had to come up with the budget first to figure out how much money we needed. And then we kind of made that conscious decision of, well, how are we going to pay for this? So it was definitely a... And Brian and I sold our bodies yeah. to make up the $600. We didn't actually charge that for one night. It took us several times. I was about to say, $600? You guys are... I mean, you're, you're careful you're, with your you're words, good, Sarah. You're good-looking dudes, but you're not that good-looking. So, wow. <laughs> At least you didn't have to pay someone. Actually, the first one we chipped in the first hundred dollars just to get <laughs> <laughs> just get started. Hill experience on your belt. We threw a hat down on the ground. We're like, look, somebody paid a hundred bucks for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who likes the truffle shuffle? <laughs> What? The truffle shuffle. Oh. Oh. I can do the truffle shuffle if that entices you ladies <laughs> or fellas. I'm non-discriminatory. Really? <laughs> when I have to find the movie, I'll do whatever I can. Really? Um, don't quote that. Yeah. So I'm making you a yellow I don't know page. how many films that have actually been been funded by use of selling one's bodies. But, um, <laughs> Midnight Cowboy? Yeah, they sold themselves. Well, yeah, but the characters not, did, though. They didn't the, fund the movie that way. So, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about traditional funding for movies? Well, the studios, who have lots of money, decide, oh, yeah, this movie sounds good. <laughs> and they give it the green light. And then all the magic happens. Now, why do they call it the green light? Green for go. Why not the purple light? <laughs> what? Um, not, we're not? hitting a lull, guys. <laughs> She's like, Let's talk about what got us into this topic. Ever since uh, history the, happened, this yeah, last the week. Veronica Mars movie took place. So, Wait. Warner Brothers, which is kind of weird, Warner Brothers announced that they would consider making or they would make a Veronica Mars movie if the director could raise two million dollars. Now, this is Warner Brothers, the most successful movie studio in the world right now. They made the most money of any studio last year, asking this director to raise $2 million. Mostly, I think it was a sign, it was a political move. It was to say, we want proof that people actually want to see this movie. So that way we don't lose our investment. So they started a Kickstarter project, and within about... 11 hours. 11 hours. They had 11 raised hours, million. they reached $2 million. And as of right now, at this moment that we are recording the podcast, which is Sunday at 8.18 p.m. Pacific, they are at... Three point eight million dollars. Okay, so eighteen days almost to double. Go. This thing took off like f- like fire. It broke records. It broke records as being Kickstarter's largest funded project. Mm-hmm. Number one and number two, the quickest amount of time it took to achieve that goal. And yeah, this got brought on because um, I'm not gonna lie. I donated twenty five dollars to the project because. Do you like Veronica Mars? I've never actually watched the show. I appreciate what but it's done. You, you appreciate the symbolism. And I, I appreciate the symbolism that it had to have this type of project, which is to bring, you know, that type of, bring the fans in to show big studios that there are certain things out there that do have a fan base and that if you just take a chance, you will get that money back yeah. in return. And they were giving out uh, outlandish prizes. Like if you gave them 10 grand, you got a speaking role in the movie. Like that was one of the prizes that, that oh, that's was, awesome, right? Yeah. If I had ten grand, although if I had ten grand, I'd probably just fund my own movie. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> totally. totally. As I look at the book that you have here, which is how to shoot a feature film for for under ten thousand dollars and not go to jail and not go to jail. It's a fantastic book, by the way. I don't agree with everything the guy recommends, but it gives you a good idea for how to yeah. how to save money. It's really it's a d- democratization of film funding because you're actually having the audience tell you. What like, to make? We want this. Yeah, but at the same time, there's a counter argument of, well, 
why does the studio need to raise the money? And that's what sparked my interest in wanting to talk about this is because there was an article on a website that I frequent called JoeBlow.com. And it's a movie site that delves into that kind of stuff. And what they talked about was, was that exact question of, you know, congratulations to them to doing this, but why is one of the largest movie studios that are out there right now asking for the public to fund the movie? I'd like to read a little excerpt. excerpt. Sure, go ahead. And I'm going to attribute this to Paul Shiri, S-H-I-R-E-Y. And he wrote this on March 19th, or it posted. Crowdsourcing a major studio film immediately steals the wind from the sales of lower-budget indie projects that are trying to take flight, which I agree with. And now I kind of felt bad giving $25 to the project. There's no proof in numbers on that yet, but it's what I suspect will happen if this becomes a trend. By taking the spotlight away from new filmmakers trying to make their first feature and giving it to a group of well-established creatives and big-name studios, it makes it that much harder for them to take advantage of the Kickstarter phenomenon, which best serves the starving artists who have yet to garner any kind of recognition that could net them that kind of support. That's a really good point. That is a good point. Yeah. Yes, I, sir. I would have a rebuttal for that, to be honest. I mean, Kickstarter ahead, Kickstarter for a lot of people is still very new. Uh, I found out about it through a friend of mine because he wanted me to fund a project for a game that he was interested in. I ended up giving 10 bucks for it, and I thought it was pretty cool. I hadn't heard of it before that. And now I'm always on Kickstarter looking at all sorts of cool stuff that's on there. If this gets attention, even if it is a big company, right, that has plenty of money who can easily fund the project on their own, but the fact that it's getting attention to Kickstarter in general, you know, maybe it'll actually help yeah. people find those companies or find those indie projects that otherwise would not have been seen. That is very true. It is, it is good for Kickstarter to get people to go to it. But at the same time now... There are now other TV shows that have been canceled that are now thinking about doing the same thing. Like Pushing Daisies was mentioned as an option. Oh, yeah. I think that was the first thing that yeah. broke. Yeah, um, there was a brief rumor that Firefly. Uh, Only people have talked Jaws about wanting yeah. Joss Whedon to do a Firefly Kickstarter, but it's not going to happen because, or at least not for a long time, because he is very busy doing everything else that's completely awesome, like Doctor Horrible too. So. And the and, Avengers. And yeah, the Avengers and yada yada, but mostly Doc, Dr. Horrible 2. Fuck the Avengers, all right? <laughs> Dr. Horrible 2. That is the most important thing in that sentence. And by <laughs> hammer, I mean my penis. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, so he's not really doing that. But I do think there is a lot of power in in doing the, the Kickstarter thing. And um, I think it is really interesting that this is a whole new phenomenon now of doing crowdsourcing um, as a means of funding artistic projects. Well, even for independent films... You don't fund them this way, usually. On an independent film, you have to pretty much, if you're going to do it completely on your own, you have to do your own micro-crowdsourcing. You literally call everybody you've ever met in your entire life and ask if they can loan <laughs> 10 bucks to your movie or 100 bucks to your movie and see what you get from there. Um, I mean, if you go up a little bit bigger, where you're talking about like the Sundance territory, where some is completely homemade, some is more substantial, you, know, you pitch a script around to a producer, the producer... If their production company has enough money, they'll try to make it, or they will try to raise the money. Or um, you go the James Nguyen and Tommy Wiseau route, and you just make your movies for all the money out of your pocket and become cult phenomenons for being horrible films. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should look up The Room. Oh. So we, see? You just mentioned that title, and someone goes... But The Room <gasps> actually got funding, though. The Room got a couple million dollars. to be. Yeah, so we could shoot in film and in digital, and then he mixes them together. That's an entirely different topic. Or James Nguyen, who did Birdemic, which was a self-funded movie, I think. I don't think he got a whole lot of backing for it. But because you mentioned Sundance, and he actually went to Sundance and, like, lived in his van for a week and, like, tried to, like, get people to watch Birdemic as being, like, the serious romantic thriller, which if you ever saw Birdemic, it's like watching Duck Hunt. (laughs) (laughs) the The effects were pretty bad. So much so that when the birds go to fall down and attack people, they make sounds like a kamikaze plane and then explode. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which garnished him so much popularity because that movie was so successful as being a bad movie, he got enough people to give him money to make a sequel. It was one of those things where infamy won out. Exactly. And I'm sure they wanted to see if the guy could do any worse, basically, by, by giving him money to do more movies. It sucks because you have the filmmakers who 
may not necessarily be the best storytellers or may not have the best eye for creating something that is believable, but yet they have the skills to get the money together. On the flip side, you have people who are super talented but don't have the business know-how to get the money together to make their movies. And it sucks. But then I also think of the movie Colin. Colin was made for $70. No joke. And it went to Sundance. And it was about a, it was a brilliant movie. It was done on a very cheap camcorder. It was edited on software that came with the camcorder. It was like an older version of Premiere. And the whole movie talks about a guy who gets attacked by a zombie. And the movie is the process of main character, Colin. The movie is him slowly beginning to turn into a zombie. It's an internalized what goes through the person's mind as they're slowly becoming uh, That a sounds zombie. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that really does. Yeah, so right, so... But what was so great about that? It was not the fact that it was made for $70. It was the story. It was, the story was a brilliant idea. Yeah. Mm. And he knew what he had at his disposal, and he let every single element of that be color how the story was being told. Mm-hmm. Like sound design. He knew that the only mic he was going to have was the mic on the camera. So he made sure the sounds were done in a certain way that it would read the right way. And because he got enough like of a, of a following getting the movie made, he got the woman who did the makeup for the X-Men movies for free. She offered her services for v. free. Nielsen? Yeah. Oh, isn't she? Um, she oftentimes on Face Off. No, she? she is. She's a permanent judge on Face Off. Yeah, she yeah. helped make the, do the makeup on this movie for free because she thought the idea was so inventive and That's so just sh- like her though. Did, that would be like her. Yeah. yeah. If, any, if anyone knows what we're talking about, Face Off is a, a special effects makeup show on Sci-Fi, which is so cool. Beyond it's amazing. It's like the American Idol of special but effects. Here's why makeup. it's better than any of the other reality shows. They don't care about the stupid drama that goes on at the yeah. house. Yeah. They never show the bullshit at the house. It's like maybe like right at, like at the beginning of the show, they're like, oh, that guy's gone. Yeah. And, and uh, even when they're in the warehouse where they're doing the actual makeup, where they're preparing the prosthetics, they're not focusing on a bunch of crap. They're focusing on the actual problems that happen when you're trying to put together this complex yeah. makeup in two In that days. sense, it's more like a project runway where it's focused a lot more yeah. on the work you're doing. And there may be some catty moments while they're trying to do the work. It's much more on it's less about on the, the drama work. of the people and more about the drama of the, of the product. Are yeah. we really talking about this? Yes, yes, we are because <laughs> okay. it's an amazing thing. My yeah. wife and I watch it every because single. I, well, I watch they may have Project Runway. No, I'm just saying. Okay. Like, I just find it funny that we're breaking down the the nuances of a reality show. Oh. Um, no, I've watched it too. It is very good. <laughs> I just think this is very silly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't. Three to one. Overruled. Damn. All right, bitches. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. Being somebody who wants to be able to make short films, so Brian and I went to a symposium uh, of sorts where we got to see the guy who actually wrote Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted and Men in Black. And Men in Black. And there was a woman there from Pixar. There was also a woman there from... Um, she was a visual effects producer, and she had done Angels and Demons. She had done she Green was, Lantern. She was taught... Oh, she was talking about the Green Lantern. Okay, yeah. so she was doing DC. So she, I think she was just in the middle of like doing like Batman, but she didn't really talk about it. And then there was an actor who was um, in... They showed a clip of him in um, There Might Be Blood. No, There Will Be Blood. He was the guy who responded <laughs> to... Did you just say you were going to come out and cut my throat? Like that, He was that guy. That guy in the green... Yeah. But what was great about it was that there was a kid there, and it was open to a high school in the Saratoga, California area. And there was a, a kid in the back who goes like, you know... And the question, which now sounds really ridiculous, was like, well, how easy is... Like, could I start making movies myself? Or something to that degree... Is, well, he was talking about how hard the system was, and then the actor responded like, "Dude, people are already doing what you're talking about." Yeah, exactly. He's like, "I don't want to be a, like a." He's like, "I don't want to be rude, but like, you know, this is this is something people are doing. Like, all you need now is a camera and a computer, and you can make whatever the you want yeah. to make." And Ed Solomon made a really good point too. Is that he, the writer, of course? He said, "Well, making the word processor didn't mean turn everybody into a novelist. It made it easier for people to write novels, but it didn't take away the fact that you still need to be good at what you do to." get your product sold. You know? And I just think that with the success of this Von- Veronica Mars getting self-funded by crowdsourcing, I'm ambivalent about it because I feel like, yeah, it's, an, it's a historical thing to watch as like a beloved TV show was resurrected. And I know that there's a lot of fans out there, Sarah included, who would love to see like a, a Pushing Daisies come back from the dead. Hell yeah, I would. And be put on to tell. I mean, look at, um, there was a show called Jericho that yes. was a few years ago. Please bring Jericho back. And I never watched it. My dad did. But the show was officially canceled by the network. And they said, we're not going to do any more. 
the fans retaliated by saying to the studio, like, we want it back. And they did. They, they sent the studio something that was, a, like, a symbol for the show. I think it was, like, beans or babies or... It was peanuts. Peanuts. It was packing peanuts they specifically sent. Because in the end of the, the first season, the cliffhanger, right, without spoiling it too much, they're about to be attacked. And the main character tells a story about his... I think it was his grandfather was in World War II. And they made some reference to, to nuts, you know. Surrender, no. Nuts. And so then they sent peanuts to... And they had so much mail of packing peanuts, basically, that they brought the show back. And then they ultimately killed it again um, because of... Well, there was a lot of reasons for it. I mean, I watched every episode. I thought it was actually pretty decent, the idea. And for those of you who haven't seen it in a nutshell, essentially some sort of electromagnetic bomb goes off. All the power goes out in the United States, and everyone's got to fend for themselves. And it's about this one little town, and I believe it was... Revolution. It's very similar, but it was, I think, a lot better done. It is uh, like Kansas, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, and it's just this little town just trying to survive and, and maintain its own. And the first season was pretty good, and there's a lot of melodrama, but it was decent. When they brought it back, it suffered from some script writing issues. It suffered from. Uh, it suffered from just a lack of interest by those fans who didn't hear about the whole revival, who didn't come back to it. And you had all these loyalists, but then you didn't have everyone else because everyone else felt kind of left out. Right. And the point of that was that you know you have these people bringing things back from the dead. You know, it's like is that where the crowdsourcing is going to stay? Is it just going to be for revival of things that we long forgot, like Firefly or like Pushing Daisies, or like you know, if it were me, if I had that ability to pick a show, I'd be like, uh, bring back Studio Sixty. I'd love to see a second season of that to kind of redeem yeah. the ending of that show. You know, I mean, it's just all I these think things. I think it's easy to say that just because you are looking at something that already has a fan base. So, yes, all those fans are willing to mm-hmm. throw money at you. But that may not necessarily be entirely the case. If you have a particular artist or a particular filmmaker, a particular screenwriter who can pitch an idea and say, this is what I want to do, and that director has a fan base, then maybe you'd be able to get a new project going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though I do think that the great thing about Kickstarter is even if you don't have a set fan base... Because they don't require it, but that they recommend strongly that you make your own video of it. Who's to say, like, you can't try to cut a trailer version of your movie right. on a minimum budget or shoot, like, a really, really engaging scene from your script mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is what is kind of my vision for the movie. With your help, I can make it be the full thing it needs to be. And then to bring it back full circle, though, let's say, for instance, in, in, like, in, in a completely alternate reality... You know, what if Nolan went to Warner Brothers and he goes, "Look, I want to do new. I want to do Batman," and they're like, "That's great. That's wonderful," but you have to raise the money yourself. And so he goes on and he does like this Kickstarter campaign, right? And of course, it's Batman, so I'm sure it would probably have made Buku De Niro to be able to produce sure. it. But is that is it wrong that the studio is having the fans? Because later in the article, he goes into so basically, us fans who want to see Veronica Mars are paying twice. We're paying once to fund the movie, and then we're paying again to go see the movie, and Warner Brothers didn't have to pick up a dime. I yeah. mean, they may pay for the, the, the marketing costs, and they may pay for, you know, things of that nature. But the marketing not... was just done for this. Right. But I mean, like, for tra- like producing, sure. submitting trailers, posters, etc. Yeah, I mean, it's a little ridiculous, because if they wanted to know from the fans whether they wanted Veronica Mars to be remade, I mean, Warner Brothers is on Twitter. They, they do have a Twitter account that represents the whole studio. They do have a Facebook account that represents the whole studio. They could have just taken a poll from the social media and it would have gotten the same amount of response. I don't know about that. Honestly, I feel like when you're able to be a part of it, it changes that dynamic a little bit. It changes that relationship because now I'm able to say, I am the reason this movie exists. My $25, my $100, my $10,000. I'm the reason this movie exists and that's a whole other thing. And then I'm willing to say, all right, it's my movie. I'll, so, I'll put a little bit more it, money so, towards be, success. So because it becomes about ownership, you you would argue then that it wouldn't really matter how much money you put into it because you'd be willing to pay for the movie ticket as well as the yeah, money for Because it. if you're already making a donation to it, you, you care that deeply about it, that you yeah. want to be a part of it. Yeah. And just going to pay for it. I mean, when I, when, you know, Star Trek came out, right? How many times did I go see that in the theater? I saw it a billion times. And it wasn't because I didn't remember what it was the first time. It's because I loved the movie and sure. I was willing to pay for it to go see it multiple times. Yeah. The, the trouble, though, I think I understand where this guy's coming from in the article, too, is that when you budget a studio movie, 
everyone's pay is already put into the budget. The studios, what they get out of it isn't put into the budget. They get whatever the profits are, right? Mm-hmm. And occasionally, if you're a big director, you get like a percentage of the profits, you know, if you're like a James Cameron or a Steven Spielberg. But I think that's where the core of this guy's point is, right? Is that the fans are paying money, and ultimately the money's just going to go even more so in the pocket of Warner Brothers. It's going to go to make the movie they want to I mean, see. They, they get to see the movie they, that they put in for. And I get his point where it's like, if the studio has the money, which they do, I mean, it's not like Warner Brothers is in any sort of dire straits where they're going to lose fun. It looks like Sarah's got a rebuttal, so I can't wait to hear it. Um, no, I'm just saying, I, I actually, I agree with you. I thought it does appear to be a little bit of an abuse of the Kickstarter system to have a major studio which does not need that help just as a means of reaching the fan base. When, like Brian says, they do have social media. They have plenty of opportunities to put it out there. They can just go on to Veronica Mars forums or whatever and find out how badly people want that movie. Or a petition could start. Whatever. Something along those lines. However, I do, like Eric says, the sense of community is a really, really powerful and interesting thing. You know, when I, when I think about it, I, I agree with you completely that... If they wanted to, they could look at all the... They could put their finger on the pulse and they could really tell what people wanted. But they're not going to know if people are really going to be 100% committed to it, in my opinion. Because you can put your name on a petition because it's easy to do. And look what happened to Jericho. Jericho got brought back. It seemed like everyone's really passionate. Here's all the packing peanuts. And it ended up not having the kind of viewers that it needed to sustain itself. It didn't have double the viewers that it had before. It had less than the viewers it had before. Touche. So when you commit money, though... That's a whole other issue. That that means that you are really you're willing to stake your own. You're willing to put a little of yourself on the line. But wouldn't it be cool if Warner Brother to say, you know what, folks, this was a way more of a success than we thought it was going to be. We respect everyone's opinion on this. We're going to do this. We're going to take the four million dollars or however much it ends up being five million dollars, and we're going to pick the five best projects on kickstarter right now and we're going to fund them each we're going to give them an equal amount of money and we're going to go ahead and make your veronica mars movie anyway because we know how much you feel about it oh, do so some do. sort of like matching program kind yeah of that would be if they were to come out and say that then i would be because i'm kind of on the fa- i'm kind of with this article if they did that i would be 100 percent against this guy because i feel like that would be great for them to say Thank you for giving us the support and showing us that, you know, there's some interest there and then giving back to the people, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, because l- let's put it this way. Like there are a thousand people out there, four people here who could probably influence Hollywood in some way, shape or form. Right. So, so to give them money to say, hey, by the way, here's X amount of dollars, like go make your picture would be an amazing feat for them. And I mean, it would be would be a wonderful thing for them to do. And it would transform what this has already become, which is a sensation, right? It is already something that people are buzzing about. Then it becomes something so much more. Then it becomes like this motivator. And then it's a way for the, the film companies to, to come out here and say, hey, we are supporting everybody out there. We're not just focused on our own big projects. We're out there to support the little guys. In general, I really love the idea of crowdsourcing. Um, you know, back when YouTube came out and people did have the ability to, you know, start making their own videos, uploading things, and it became really popular, and and everything became just much more accessible. Camera phones got better, these kinds of things. To me, it sort of made a, a, a little bit of a dichotomy when it comes to entertainment. You have industry, and then you have the cottage industry. So you have the means of production in the hands of the people, and that's awesome. Anything that I think really speaks to the target audiences that they can connect with is something that I you know I will always get behind. So I think a project like this because it is a revival is something particularly special. Not to say that it's that I feel like it's completely limited, but it's something that is particularly special mm-hmm. in this case. For all the other people who are funding movies via Kickstarter that are maybe not as known there should be nothing stopping you, not no, anything being intimidated or anything like this, because there's something really awesome about just trying and just asking and seeing what you can get out of it. Um, and this kind of does take me down a path towards talking about um, a TED Talk that I saw recently that's been kind of all over the interwebs. Um, Amanda Palmer, who was a member of the Dresden Dolls, she had her own solo career. She's known as Amanda fucking Bomber sometimes. She married Neil Gaiman, and she's also part of a band called uh, the Grand Theft Orchestra. And she started off her career basically as a street performer 
and she would just stand on a crate. She was the eight-foot-tall bride, and she would just kind of stand there and do, like, mime stuff, and people would give her money, and then she'd give them a flower. And um, she talks about how people would have to – people would, like, drive by – David, you look really confused. Why is she eight feet tall? <laughs> she was standing on a milk crate. It's a very tall milk crate. <laughs> <laughs> um but people would yell at her on like while she was on the street and say, you know, get a fucking job, you know, um, and make her feel really horrible about what she was doing. But then, you know, she kept pursuing. She kept doing a performing career. She started writing music. She formed her band. And she basically has survived on asking people for things. They couch surf when they go traveling on tour. They are super connected with their fans all the time, and she just recently had an album that got successfully funded through Kickstarter by asking people for money. Um, she does free shows quite a bit, or people will like you know pay their own pay their own price for tickets, etc. And she's like, you would just be so completely surprised if whatever you just offer them, you know, it's it's them giving you money, you're giving them a flower back. It's it's just the power of asking. If you have something that somebody out there is willing to support and pay for it, you need to you need to just try. So I think that's pretty wonderful for a lot of independent filmmakers. You know, there's a lot of people like trying to self-publish, you know, raising money for self-publishing, this kind of stuff, all through Kickstarter and other variant programs, et cetera. I mean, there is power in asking. You're right. A big part of it is validating yourself. It comes with you saying you're good enough to deserve this. That's a hard hurdle to get over because right. with my own stuff, I'm very hypercritical of my own work. And I, w- I would have a hard time saying, here, please give me money for this. And yet that's how, really, that's how you do it to get money for anything. It's just someone who has lots of money only giving to you one time as opposed to tons of people giving you small bits of money that ultimately could end up being the same amount of money. That are sexual favors. <laughs> but mostly sexual favors. <laughs> so, I mean, if we think about this podcast, you know, we we started doing it, you know, maybe not necessarily knowing if anybody was going to bother to listen or to subscribe. That's true. We're not asking for money necessarily yet. <laughs> Give us money. <laughs> yet. Yet. That's right, peeps. Get your wallets open. <laughs> Stay tuned. But we are we are saying, you know, just listen to what we have, and we have so far now for 30 episodes, we have been dedicated to coming back and asking people to listen. We spend several hours hanging out every Sunday. Not that it's not completely fun, but this podcast is work, but we do it because we love it, and the few subscribers out there think we're awesome, so that's cool. <laughs> Mostly international. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, we're really big in Ireland right now, which I think is really, really cool. <laughs> and How Ger- awesome is that? We could say that we're in Germany, really popular and to in Ireland. Our, to our German listeners, yeah, danke. Yeah. <laughs> danke. Danke <laughs> And to our Irish listeners, Sancho. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was gonna say slancha, but okay. Slantra? Slantra. Slantra. It's um. Cheers. It's Gaelic for for good health. I know. Mm. I'm I'm disagreeing with you, Brian. Cilantro. Brian's getting so like. Look, guys, I'm trying to bring culture to the group. All right. Like, I'm trying to do some bring something beautiful here, and Dude. you guys are shitting on it. Dude. Keep keep the culture and the beauty over to nerds on history. <laughs> all right. This is this is a beer drinking trailer toting family. All right. We neither have beers nor trailers right now. No, we have cheese. But that would be do. the funding for our next Kickstarter project. <laughs> right now we have nothing. We have a garage. <laughs> and with your help, we will descend further into white trash. Please, please send us money so that we can just buy pop a dollar a day. <laughs> Guys, Sarah needs a new pair of cutoff shorts, all right? <laughs> this is what we need. Oh, wanted- I got some scissors right now. We can make those pants in the cutoff shorts right now. Oh, God, that was so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you listeners have a, an opinion that you would like to chime in with, please do so. Yeah, let us know what you feel about crowdsourcing. Yeah. And how do you feel about the Veronica Mars Project or bringing back any sort of old television series that you used to like? Because, quite honestly, who wants to see an elf come back? I, uh, I do. <laughs> yeah. Wait, right? there's... Okay, there is a channel out there. I was somewhere. I know this is going to seem really weird and vague. I swear to God, I did not dream it. But I was sitting somewhere at like a a store or a restaurant or something like that. And they have like the TVs on the walls. And I couldn't hear it. 
but there was like no joke like an elf commercial but i guess he hosts like some like late night series of tv shows and there's just like interjections in between the tv shows of elf and i, I swear oh i think he was once he was a character on um they, they made him do like those quick little commercials for i want to say the hub i could be wrong the hub is a, it's a yeah. station that shows old tv yeah they show the old 60s batman yeah, yeah they do i'm and not Mills, sure if this batman was the batman hub series as well yeah i don't think it was the hub well, either way. It was something well, that was really bizarre. Listeners, if you know, or no. if you want to see an Alf remake, let us know. And when I say Alf remake, I mean puppet. I do not want to see a, a 3D CGI Alf walking around. No, Hell no. That would, Hell no. That would kill. I want to or, see a puppet, or a puppet no, no, where they put that, in CGI legs. Save that for the Pete's Dragon reboot. Yeah. Different topic. That's a different day. Yeah. The grittier version of Pete's Dragon. Oh, God. Yeah. That was yeah. the headline in Red Lock. A grittier. And if you guys don't know how to reach us, you can, of course, go to our website at nerdonomy.com, where you can see all the ways of contacting us, email, or listener feedback button. And, of course, please follow us on Twitter at Nerdonomy or on our Facebook pages. And if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sarah Ash16. I'm at The Brickmont. And, yes, I'm still alive. I'm at David C. McGuire. And I'm at... Brian Moriarty. So tweet me. Tweet us. Yeah, it'd be kind of fun. Yeah. And hey, David, thank you so much for uh, for sparing some time for us. And yeah, back I'm and glad to out. come back. I miss my family. Yeah, I'm glad you guys yeah. come back to hang out with the little people. When and are you going to be a regular cast member again? After the movie comes out, which will be nerds, couple put months. it on your calendar, April 19th, release date. I will have it. I'll put it up on the website or a link to the YouTube channel. Please check it out. Let me know what you guys think. Tell me if I should just give up now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, but seriously, April 19th. Awesome. All right, guys. Right here. You guys have a wonderful week, and we will see you next time. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes that you should not say during sex. Well, Clarice, have the lamb stopped screaming?